the 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield football frenzy time. We are going to talk to one of the Raiders draft picks. Another one of them last week, we got uh, Britton Brown on and uh, Thayer Munford was taken later in the draft, a versatile guy who might be able to play up and down the line on the offensive line. So Thayer will join us in about 15. You know, to this point, I haven't really seen an effect of Jim Beheim being a jackass when his players transfer out or go to the NFL. Check that, the NBA, right? But I, I don't know that kids like would publicize like, hey, I would never play for that coach because he's, he's an old creep, right? But I can't think that his attitude in, in a lot of those cases in the past have helped him. And the football coach at Pittsburgh, Pat Narduzzi, I don't think he's doing himself any favors. There are people who are adjusting to the transfer portal and taking it for what it is, right? And I'm sure every coach has a handful of kids that leave where they're like, this idiot. But you don't say it publicly. No. You just don't do it. You don't do it because it's a very complicated situation and you just come off as a self-serving creep. So last week... We find out that one of the best receivers in the country, Jordan Addison, is going into the transfer portal. Pittsburgh and Pat Narduzzi launch into this USC, alleging that USC tampered somehow, right? Which we'll update that in a second. Over the weekend, he's commenting uh, on this situation, and he talks because someone's like, well, what's the difference between this? your wide receivers leaving and Keaton Slovis, who you pulled in to be potentially your starting quarterback, from USC? Oh, he says, Slovis wasn't looking for a payday. Okay. He was looking for the right place to be with a great culture. Is it a great culture? Pat Narduzzi? He's a guy who actually went into the transfer portal the real way, the right way. Oh, now there's a real way and a right way. He had a lot of opportunities with NIL, but I think he was looking for the right fit. He was looking for the right personnel. We had a lot returning on offense. Okay, well, in a little bit of the Pittsburgh quarterback situation that we've talked about with Brad Powers, big college football guy, he's telling us that Keaton Slovis may not even be the starter and that the holdover may be the starter. Kenny Pickett just left. Could Jordan Addison be looking for the right fit, Pat? Or for a team that has a lot returning on offense, could Jordan Addison have gone through spring practice and gone, these guys suck? I got to get to the NFL. I'm out of here. Is that a possibility, Pat? Coach Pat at Pitt? Is that possible? It's possible. It's not true. I mean, he was bought. That's what happened. Where's he going? Do we know that? Because no, there's a there's quite the rich list of places he could land, and sure. it may not be USC. Sure, but he, he's he's been bought. Which this you know like, that for a fact. No, but this is not. This is and you. This by the way, you, you know that Keaton Slovis wasn't bought. No. By Pitt. No, and that's what I was going to get to. What Pat Narduzzi should do. Just shut up. No. He should, because he he's right. In the end, he's like, I want the players to get a lot of money, but I also, I think it should be contracts now. You have to do it before you start school. This NIL cannot be, let's look around, find who does well at a school, and then just throw the most money we can. Like, that can't be what this is. And I, I want them to get paid, but this is silly. Now, what he should do is what I talk about all the time with referees and things like that, right? You should be furious when a call goes your way. 
When a bad call goes your way, that's when you have the most ground to stand on. What Narduzzi should do is be like, you know what happened here? Keaton Slovis is the transfer portal, and we gave him the most money. That's not how this should work. You should do it when it benefits you. Not when you're whining about it and crying about it going somewhere else. Because he's right to some degree that this can't be how college sports is. Because this, when people talk about ruining college sports, this will. Wow, look at you. This will. Like, I'm for them getting paid, but maybe it should be like the baseball model of, hey, you go to a school, you accept a three-year deal and make $20 million a year, whatever it is. I'm fine with how much ever it is. But you can't have guys go to schools, have good seasons, and then have everyone in the country be like, all right, how much? What what packs we put together to steal this kid from this school? Like, th- it can't work that way. That's that's silly. Like, again, I'm all for as much you, money you as know, you can. The, uh, honestly, the flip side of this too is, if the pit wide receiver wants to leave, then you know you weren't meant to be here. Like from a like, if that's I don't want to kill kids for going for the money, but if that's like if that's your primary concern, I I probably don't need you in the program anymore. It should be your primary and that's the way, concern, and that's the way you can look at it. You know. We're good enough. We'll replace him with someone else. No, it should be your primary concern. It's fine. It, but I'm saying from Narduzzi's standpoint, just stay quiet and go, you know what? It's not meant to be. Well, He's been wooed. Um, you know, we've got our collective. I don't know if they do or not, but they will eventually. So go out and get, you know, go. That gives another opportunity to someone within I, the program or go get someone else's. Right, but I'm not, I'm, I don't even th- talk about Pitt right now. I'm talking about a school, like schools that have thrived. And I, I focus more on college basketball, but. In, in college football, it happens too. Schools that have thrived on taking the under-recruited, you know, like let's let's get a project that really works in our system and let's let's build him. You have no motivation to do that. Like, why? Literally, you bring a kid in, you 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 bring him in to see, you put him up, find a way to make him really fit your system, put up good numbers, and then he's on the open market. Like it just it it ruins any chance you have of being that school that takes the guys that are unheralded and building them. Like why on earth is there a kid on the planet? I could be wrong. Maybe I'm just selfish and and greedy. I don't think I am. But if I go to a school and and they took even if they took a chance on me and they showed interest when nobody else wanted me, and I have a great year, and and USC steps in and they're whoever I'll say USC in this case whatever USC is like hey man you had get a great year we'll give you twenty million just come on like what kid on earth would say no to that? It will never happen. And again, I want them. First of all, the numbers ridiculous. You don't think it's going to get there? No. no. Again, I'm not talking about this kid. I'm talking about in the future. Oh, for a player? You don't no, think I don't, we're I don't get think there? it'll get that. I think there'll be rules in place so the the nightmare scenario you're presenting is not going to happen. That's. I think it's going to happen every year. Nah, they, they're going to have rules in place where there'll be... Then we need them. Some limits, although <laughs> you were the one who was saying there can't be a cap on this. There shouldn't. Again, I'm all for... No, I'm all for kids getting as much as they possibly can. Right. But I think uh, maybe it should be once you go to a school, you're there. Like no, that's where you are. No, because then that no that if gives you, that gives you, way too much deal. strength. That gives way too much strength to a coach. No. Not, if, not if you take a deal. No. Kids can go to a school without getting paid, but if you take a say, here's we're giving you three million a year for the next three years. You have to stay for those three years because we don't want a school to step in and be like. Is that the way it works in the real world? Twenty. If I get a lucrative job somewhere and I hate it in six months and I want to leave, I have to stay. Well, well, again, it's, it's not, not a, you don't not a right this. answer. You don't believe this. There's not a right answer. This, right. Well, this, that, but that this is not sustainable. I'm here to tell you that suggestion sucks. That's not sustainable. It's not sustainable this way. Yes, it is. It's not. Yes, it totally is. It's not. It, because we're going to go to what we've talked about before, and, that, and maybe that's fine. It's There's going to be 30 schools in D1, and everybody else is D2. And that, if that's what we want to do, that's fine. 
but you're not this this is not sustainable this, it, you can't do this you can't have guys that get developed at one school and then another, that's not what NIL was for anyway now that I'm again I'm all for if the contract is 30 million 40 100 million a year for a kid that's fine but it can't be that all these schools can just come in and start paying kids out of the tra- like Hey, just go to the transfer portal. We're going to get you twenty million. We're going to be good, or whatever it is, seven, eight, nine, whatever number it's it is. None of those numbers right now, but keep going. You don't think it's going to be? No, no, no. I don't think it'll be that high. I mean, the, I guess the, this year and maybe next year will be like the worst. No, it's going to get. They're going no. to have rules in place to slow it down. What rule? I'm not in favor of any kind of cap. Ne- neither am I. Yeah. But again, but I also don't think I don't think it's sustainable at any level. And, and maybe they'll have, maybe they'll if if all the the power fives can agree. And I guess I don't know. Maybe they'll have a cap on. I don't know. We need some good ideas because I don't yeah. I don't have the answer. But I don't think you can put a cap on like how many kids you can take out of the portal because you could be like Lincoln Riley, where you're like, hey, I'm make, I'm making whatever eleven million dollars a year. I got half a team. I have to use the portal. And then you know you got a case like UNLV locally, like hey, you know. Marcus Royals like, hey, the AD you hired me, she's gone. Like, I gotta accelerate things. This is the way I'm gonna accelerate it. I gotta take, you know, 14 guys out of the portal. So you can't really have rules that way. But I mean, it's definitely something. It it does have to be worked on because uh, it is a bit unseemly. If, but it was already. I, I gotta tell you, it was already happening. So, sure, it was our. Believe me. Even as NIL was coming on the scene, there were some creative things going out there about how to pluck players from other rosters. Yeah. and it's been happening for years and years. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I will say, whether it was Giannis, Joel, or Jokic, they were all deserving. Hold on. And in a normal year, Max, in a normal year, you could make a very strong case for Devin Booker as well. But to me, the best player, the most valuable player in the NBA this season, given what he had to work with and what they actually accomplished as a team and what he did individually, it was Nikola Jokic. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. On uh, MVP in about 25 minutes with our buddy John Von Tobel, big NBA guru. But let's uh, talk to another one of the Raiders draft picks. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield, Thayer Munford. Seventh round pick of the Raiders is on the horn right now with Cofield and Company. How are you? I'm great. How about y'all? We're good. We're good. Uh, you know what? I wanted you to step in for a second on a discussion we were just having because we were just yelling at each other about name, image, and likeness. And players change in programs. And, you know, you're a player, and, you know, you, you've seen the development, the early stages of this whole thing. So what do you think? What do you think from a player's standpoint of NIL, and especially in cases where it seems like guys are bolting for bigger schools and maybe more money? What do you think? You know, I have, you know different feels about it of course but um i don't mind it at all i really don't but if the money is taken away from you know the game everybody loves that's doing it right now in college like i don't think it's be a good idea but it's all it can also help out with people like with situations that like with like people situations that doesn't have enough money and they can use their name image and likeness to actually help out their family just to you know get more money to provide for their family. So yeah. That's how I look at it yeah. as well. That's actually, that's an interesting point. Cause we never look at that part of it. Like, you know, if the situation isn't great with the NIL at one school, maybe this is really going to help a dude's family. Now let me, I'm going to throw this at you though. What if we mm-hmm. had, what if we had breaking news, right? Um, mm-hmm. Texas is like, you know what? We need a quarterback. Hey, 
C.J. Stroud, here's $8 million to switch from Ohio State to Texas. You know, I don't think he will be able to do that <laughs> yeah, at all. all, right, all right. At all, because, you know, he comes from a good family. Um, you know, I know him personally. He's a good kid. Uh, he he loves to work hard, and, you know, he went to the best one of the best schools in the country. So he wants to compete and also, like, you know, stay close to his friends and family. All right, Thayer Mumford's with us. Uh, before we get into all the football talk, and I got to congratulate you on uh, the fact that you got your degree. And you, you actually, you got your degree a while ago, right, at Ohio State? Yeah, I got my degree in August of last year before the season started. Okay. How important was that for you, but especially your family? Well, I can really tell you. It was very important <laughs> to me, especially because I'm the first one in my family to actually get my degree from college, any college, of course. And me, personally, I, I went to Ohio State because um, my mom was close, and my mom can't actually come, come to games, of course. But, you know, and I told her, like, before, before you know, my COVID year in 2020, I'm like, I'll stay just because I want to get my degree, and I want, also want to finish college for, first before I even go to the NFL. Yeah, I think you, you pretty much made her a promise, right, that before you considered yeah. the NFL, you were getting the degree done. Yes, sir, because that's the most important thing for me is to get my degree. As you went through this process, um, how, how many how many teams did you have a good feeling about in the NFL that, that really wanted to take a look at you, and were the Raiders one of them? Oh, yeah, I had a lot of good teams. Like, um, I had a good feeling they was about to pick me, but, of course, you know, the wonderful Las Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders picked me up, and I was so grateful and so happy that they actually picked me, you know, and, you know, the job's not done yet, of course, because I still got to prove myself to them and I still got to prove myself to the veterans and everybody else on the team. And I just want to make sure that we start winning games. So was there anything that surprised you about the, the draft process, you know, from, you know, pro days, combine, like talking to teams, like, anything that was surprising to you or you just felt you were pretty ready for it? Um, You know, not real. I, I was pretty, like, prepared for it, of course, but I wasn't really prepared for all the means I have to have after the combine, I was like, wow, I got to have a lot, a lot more means. So the teams actually like, you know, get to know me a little bit more and see how I am as a person, not just a football player. Cause they all see us as football players on the film, but they try and get to know us as people, you know, and you know, we, we all appreciate it too. But that was, that was one thing that kind of like threw me out. Was there, you know, were, were those pretty normal meetings? We've heard some crazy stories in the past about some pretty bizarre meetings and questions people have had. Yeah, um, my meetings was actually pretty normal, to say the most part for me. Yeah. But um, nobody really asked asked me like the off wall questions, like, <laughs> uh, "What would you kill? What would you kill a cow or dog?" I never got that question. <laughs> so, I was like, I was kind of like getting prepared for it, but had an answer ready for it too. Wait, what is it? And to be honest, <laughs> I'm sorry for my cat people, but I had to kill a cat. Why? <laughs> oh no! I'm a huge cat guy. Oh no! This is this is not good. Well, you got to you got to answer though. You got to answer. Yeah, you have to have an answer ready. Yeah, answer, answer faithfully though. But if you don't answer faithfully, you'd be like, all right, you're not a faithful guy or reliable guy. <laughs> you know, you know that anybody listening to this interview, the headline is. There, Mudford says he wants to kill cats. Like, come on, man. It's not, really, it's not, no, it's not no, what he's no, saying. It's no, not what he's saying. Anybody, anybody listen to this interview, I'm like, I'm, it was just one of the questions <laughs> yeah. that could have been asked, but you never know. 
So how much have you talked to Raiders about potential role? I know one of the things uh, a lot of people you know, have liked about you and, and the other guys that they're drafted by the Raiders is versatility. That's a, 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 or a, a word we've heard a lot. Uh, you're obviously very versatile. You played uh, a little bit, you know, different spots on the line. So what have they kind of told, talked to you about where they might want you to play? You know, they kind of told me just to be prepared for anything, of course. Yeah. Um, told them when I had my 30 visit over there, um, I will play any position that you put me at. Just as long as we start winning games, I want to want to win. I want to compete with everybody, and I want to make sure you know everybody on that team is like okay with that too. You know, and you know me coming in as a rookie, I don't know anything for real. You know, I'm 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 gonna be like a sponge this year, just to learn, just to see, and just to watch how the veterans do stuff, and you know, and put that into my game. You know, and just just to see the veterans I always grew up playing, it's like, wow, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's a blessing just to have that opportunity to see the veterans. How difficult is it to play different spots on the line? You know, it's pretty difficult, of course. Um, you got to get your mindset right. You got to get, you know, all your mechanics right just to play. You know, if you start right tackle for, you know, half the season, then you got to switch to left tackle. You got to switch up everything, like, it takes a, it takes a watch to get used to it, but you know when you get practice at it, most of the time it'll be fine. Thayer Munford, newest Raider, seventh round pick up with Cofield and company. When you talk to NFL people, in terms of what you need to improve on, what do they come across with? Is it more physical stuff or is it more mental stuff? It was more physical stuff. Like yeah. again, like we're on my uh, my bed, my bed. My bend, of course, and I work. Got to make sure I work on my hands. You know, that was that's where I got caught up a little bit. You know, sometimes uh, in the past couple of years, of course. But I have been working on that, and you know, you know, coming to working mini camp and you know, going against the vets and seeing what the vets do. You know, I can put that in my game as well. Yeah, this will be fascinating. So you're coming out here soon for rookie mini camp, right? What day do you have to get here? Uh, I gotta get out there around Thursday. Okay. You know? All right, and I, I can't wait to meet you know my fellow like drive classmates, of course. But um, we all know it's, it's a job, and we gotta do do as best for the team and for us. You will get a chance eventually to mix in with the vets, and then uh, if you're playing on the outside, uh, you get to block Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. So that'll uh, kind of throw you right into the fire, don't they? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But you know, it'll be fine though. It'll be completely fine because, you know, I'm not going to win every rep that everybody thinks, you know, offline should win. But also at the same time, though, it's like, okay, time to go, time to work. What can I work on a little bit better? You know, there's a lot of stuff you can work on. You know, nobody's perfect, of course. Most talented college rusher you face, uh, Karloftis, Hutchinson, Chase Young, Nick Bosa Mm -hmm. in practice. Who uh, or is there somewhere else? Someone else, you know, I'm not naming that was you know toughest matchup for you on the outside. Shoot, to be honest, you, you nailed like a couple people on on that list you just named. To be honest, you know, well, I can name name them off from the top of my head. You yeah. can name Nick Bosa, Chase Young, and of course Aiden. But you've got one person though that uh, that's pretty good too, David Ojobu. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which uh, Hopefully he gets through his injury, and that was a crazy situation. What a you know, what a freaking 
Bummer. What like with those kinds of guys? What kind of what's the similar amongst them that make them you know tough when you're an edge protector? You know, what makes them tough is more of you know them not giving up as as much. Yeah. You know, like the average pass rusher in college, of course, they give up because they're super tired. <laughs> but those pass rushers, they don't give up. You know, they want to go to the ball, and you know, as offensive linemen, we always got always got to protect the quarterback because that's you know our little brother back there, and we're not trying to let them. Like let them get hit as much, right? You know, and they're gonna get hit sometimes, but it should not be all the time, you know. And you know, with those type players, it's gonna be a whirlwind, you know, for anybody. There, Mumford is with us. Uh, offensive lineman could be a tackle, could be a guard. I think that's a big reason why the Raiders brought him in. They want flexibility on that front line. You're a Cincinnati guy, right? Yes, sir. Okay how how tough is Cincy? I saw you say. You know, along the way, you uh, you know, you could have been millimeters away from you know not making it here to the NFL. So, talk about Cincy and maybe some of the situations you escaped. Oh yeah, um, of course. Um, came from Cincinnati, Ohio, um, little village called Lincoln Heights Village, and it's like an NC community. Um, you know, in that part of town, like nobody really makes it out that well. You know, most of the people in my neighborhood, my old neighborhood, um, don't make it out, they don't, you know, they don't, they don't move out of there because they think that's the place to be at, which is which is not, you know. And like, I learned that firsthand because I always heard gunshots. And I saw, you know, multiple, like, drug deals right in front of my face, you know, game, game bangs. It, it, it was a lot of stuff I had to witness when I was a young kid. Um, just, like, most part, some parts of Cincinnati is, like, very, very bad. And you know, I'm just blessed to make it out, make it out alive. You know, not be a statistic that everybody, you know, says um, that we all going to be if we, you know, when we go go from the guys or like an ancient community to like a suburb. You know. Yeah. Well, we're certainly glad you made it out, and you'll be coming out to Vegas. What do you know about Vegas, and are, are you excited to uh, get to move out here? You know, I am pretty excited to get to, get to move out there. You know, going from you know. Midwest to the the West Coast. It's gonna be very interesting, you know. I got I had one person that's actually that actually lived out there, and he's going to Tennessee right now. Um, he was already giving the ins and outs about what's going on out <laughs> there, how how to do stuff out there too. So there you go. But, uh, you know, I live and I learn. There you go. Uh, most importantly, on this show, oh, no, here we go. That that chili in Cincinnati is garbage, right? It's great. Tell him it's great. It's great. What are you talking about? Oh, ah, it's yeah. garbage. So bad. Okay, let, let's see. Let's see uh, you and Thayer have a conversation face to face in a, <laughs> in about a week, my friend. You tell him his chili sucks. No, it's great. It's great. And uh, I'm not from Cincinnati, but you know, I, I have been there a couple of times, and they've got you know they've got the, the skyline in a bunch of different places on the East Coast, and I swear by it. And everyone else smashes it. Yeah, <laughs> skyline was one of the best, man. Uh, Coaster is okay, but it's not not it doesn't top skyline at all. What do you do? You don't put it on like spaghetti, do you? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Five way, come on, man. Yeah, we gotta put the onions, gotta put the you know cheese on it. You know, and, you know sometimes you put beans inside of it, but I'm not a beans type guy because that messes with my stomach a lot. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, Luckily, you don't want to be introduced to the no. new Raider teammates after the uh, the beans and the spaghetti. No, luckily we'll get we'll get you out to I'm Vegas. Not, yeah, we we'll get to. I'll be in the bathroom all the time. <laughs> I won't be. 
we'll get you out to Vegas and find you some real food. That's good. That'll be uh, that'll be nice. Uh, we're excited to have you out here, man. And uh, thanks for a few minutes today. And uh, and congratulations on uh, on your success. And 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 good luck with more. I appreciate y'all so much for having me on this show. Thank y'all so much. Thanks, thanks a lot, there. We appreciate it. There is a two thirty eight pick in the draft, seventh rounder to the Raiders. Versatile offensive lineman, tackle, guard, stayed for a long time. At Ohio State, and you heard one of the reasons to uh, get his degree, and he does have a sensitive tummy when it comes to beans. So, that was, is that probably the most important part? Probably. I mean, food is gross. That uh, that's that chili is just gross. Well, it's not. It's disgusting. You have to condition yourself to it. And some people can't eat beans. What are you going to do? <laughs> well, luckily he can get out of there. I mean, I guess if you're there, <laughs> that's what you eat. But hopefully, well, you he don't finds, have to. Finds real. Food you don't out have here. to. And some people don't like it in Cincinnati. Some people don't like it in whatever Indiana, South Florida. Gross. Uh, Michigan, it's not for everybody. It's all disgusting. Okay. No, we don't have those in Michigan. Uh, there, there's some in Michigan. No, we don't, we don't Tru- allow that. Trust me, this is we. Trust not, me. Not real parts of Michigan. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. I can hear you eating those chips, man. <laughs> like two Too much crunch, man. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I get no kick from champagne. Okay, I want to dislike this golfer so much. Do we know the backstory? I mean, all I I don't know. I don't know much about him at all. I just saw him. Uh, he missed a putt, and then immediately just starts yelling at a guy for crunching his chips. James Hahn, a forty-year-old, couple of wins on the tour. 20-foot birdie, doesn't get it done, and then he starts griping at someone for eating chips too loud. I mean, crunching those chips, man. <laughs> and I'm glad Nick Faldo jumped in and was laughing, but, like, seriously, guys, the entire lot with the noise all the time. Meanwhile, I, I mean, we don't know exactly what happened, but, you know, like, you know, Chris Paul's mom could be getting punched and he's playing. <laughs> and sure. if someone's in the crowd crunching on a chip, was it Doritos? Was it like the Ridge Chips baked? What was it? I feel like it, I mean. I can hear you crunching. I feel like. Ba- that is like, a pro athlete complaining about noise as an excuse to why he did not complete the mission. You're chewing your chips too loud. I feel like Lay's oh. is like the the most common, you know, the bag to buy uh, at the at the course. But I'd like to think it was like a Pringle. Like Pringles would be more funny, but I feel like if you're at a course, if you're if you're buying concession stand, it's probably like the lay, like a bag of lays. So we just talked to Thayer Munford, seventh round pick of the Raiders. Terrible food choice. He says that he'll stay away from the beans with the, the Cincinnati chili, which means that he may have to stay away from beans when he eats our fine Mexican food. God, I had some good beans over the weekend. We still have them too. Oh, can't wait. Right, so we know what his sensitive stomach issues could be. Some beans, right? Sure. On the eve of a big fight, especially after you cut weight, you know, I forgot to ask both you and R.J. Clifford. R.J. is a MMA expert who works for uh, Satellite about Donald Cerrone fighting what could be his final fight, what looked like it was going to be his final fight at 39 years old. And the thing that struck me is going against Joe Lozano, who's also like 100 years old. And I was thinking to myself, I know Cerrone fought at this weight most of his career, but he is like 6'1". He can still make 155? Yeah. He made 155, and he's 6'1". 
right? And he's a, he's a thin guy, but like when you're 39 years old, you, I mean, you see it, right? I mean, Canelo was just fighting a freaking light heavyweight. Like people just get bigger. If you maybe he cuts weight easily, if you cut weight to get the 155 from from probably what 185 normally, do you risk it by like he, did he really go out? And get Mexican food? Did he get a taco and that got him food poisoning? That's a claim? Well, I'll say this. I, I do know a little bit, a little something about Donald Cerrone's post-weigh-in habits. It's a it's okay. a tradition for him. Now Dana White says Donald Cerrone went to a taco place last night and got bad food poisoning. So I went, I knew the fighter hotel. I went and walked around a couple spots uh, to see if I could find it. I couldn't, there was like three taco places, so I didn't want to, I didn't want to pin it on which one it was <laughs> when I was walking around Phoenix the other day. Okay. Um, but I know that Donald Cerrone, when he was, when he was here, he, when he fights in Vegas, he brings his RV. He camps uh, down over by uh, Blue Diamond and 15. There's a, a an RV campground. Okay. He he parks there, um, and he goes. He used to go. Now it's closed now. But I'll say the Miller's Ale House. Uh, that's a, that was in Town Square. Never got food poisoning there, huh? He would. Oh, this Mexican place must have been pretty bad. He would drink a bunch of beers. Yeah. Oh, he did. Have oh to yeah. In. Oh yeah. Awesome. And uh, he he said it would be like two or three. I would run around him on. Way in nights, or it was probably more than two or three, uh, but then he would eat there, and so I, I know he has that. Like he does have that tradition. A lot of fighters do like the Brazilian steakhouse. A lot of fighters will do uh, like carbs, like a pasta uh, on that Friday. But for the most part, like there's not many restrictions. Like you've had, the I love them. And they're they're awesome athletes. Yeah. If they can cut weight, and how intense cutting weight is, and then gorge on yeah. something heavy. Yeah, the training's over, and you you would just want to have a nice Man. meal in. But that was it. He was out of the fight. Sucks. Out of the fight. And, you know, it had to be Bad. pretty severe. For him? Uh, I think part of the issue is that they had to give him an IV to rehydrate, and that's not really allowed. So um, I think at that point they were like, all right, he really can't fight. But, yeah, it was – from what I heard, I talked to some people around the around the, <laughs> around the the building, and it was pretty bad on Saturday, and Cerrone could not fight. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. High drive, deep left center field. How far? Company's eye on sports betting with John Von Tobel. There you go, Pod Squad with a uh, walk off Alfaro Padres TV. There, remember my advice last week that the uh, Padres record was a bit phony because they've been playing really bad teams. So, look, now they're going against a good team and the Marlins with great pitching, and they still won three or four. So, fading them in that series did not work. Not saying I did it. Maybe I did it. Didn't work. It was rough for me, my hitter and my pitcher. I was like, yeah, my hitter hits a home run, but my pitcher gave it up. Betting-wise or fantasy? Fantasy. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't follow your fantasy roster. I'm glad the audience gets to. That's good. Good point. They did right now. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. John Von Tobel, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Now, nobody nobody cares about your fantasy football team. Do we bore them even more? Please and do. do I tell you that Mitch Moss is trying to pilfer Kyle Tucker from me, and uh, he's asking what the asking price is, so how much the asking price be? I don't know what kind of league you're in. I don't know what the other salaries. Is it a draft? Is it ALNL? Is it all of baseball? Is it, I guess that's the same thing, just AL? Or what is it? It's uh, it's ALNL, rotisserie-style scoring. Um, I can I can go through the scoring rules if you want. I actually got a book yeah. right now. Send, send me his roster. I'll give you advice. Send me his roster. Send me his roster. I will say I don't think he's got what I need, at least. I don't think he's got what I need. I wouldn't give up Kyle Tucker. I don't think I want to either, yes. although it's been a slow start. A lot of guys off the slow starts. 
Kind of wonder what it means, though, with uh, if they don't change the balls back, are we going to have like historic lows among some great hitters you know, for season numbers? Yeah, I mean, you probably could, I, at least when it comes to power. And now, what you know, with with the way that baseball has been trending, all these guys, you know, the three true outcomes. So it's not like these dudes are all going to start all of a sudden start hitting for average, getting on the base paths and stealing bases and doing all the good small ball stuff. So, uh, yeah, I wonder like how it alters that. But then at the same time, everybody's going through the same thing. So then you would think that just all around, all these hitters, like you're all kind of dealing with the exact same uh, situation. So while numbers across the board would be down, uh, it's not like it would be adversely affecting one guy over the other. For some, to a degree, it would. But overall, everybody's dealing with the same hand. Let's start with some NBA. Uh, I was just hearing uh, Bischoff's 15-second tease for tomorrow's show on the press box. And he just mentioned uh, something to the effect of, can Memphis pull off the miracle without John Morant? First, is he officially out? Secondly, and I know this is not against the Warriors all year, their numbers without Ja this year were actually pretty good. I think they were like 20 and 5 straight up and 18 and 6 and 1 against the number. Again, that wasn't against the Warriors. So, what's your take on this game? Yeah. So, I actually I took 10 and a half with the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay. Um, and, and there's a few things that go into that. It, to be honest with you, the 20 and 5 straight up, and, you know, like you said, whatever the record yeah. is, ATS now, I think it's like 18, 6 and 2, or like you said, or whatever it is at this point. Um, but I, but I think what's interesting when we get situations like this with injuries, you know, the, like I always say it, and it's very obvious, right? But if you know it, they know it. So, for example, at the end of that game, we see John Morant get hurt. We see him limp off to the locker room. That game, game three, closed with the Warriors laying seven. So they blow him out. They drop 140 points. The line opens up for the next game, and it goes from seven at close in game three to nine for game four. Taylor Jenkins comes out, their head coach, from Memphis Grizzlies, and says, hey, you know what, likely not going to play. He's doubtful. So the line goes from nine to ten and a half. But to me, it's like, well, the nine, I think, already factored in the potential absence of John Morant. And, and to move it up, then another point, point and a half, is somewhat overreactionary just because I think we already know that Morant's probably not going to be available. So I took ten and a half because I thought the nine already factored in his absence. We're starting to see that number trickle down. It's at nine and a half across the board. And might I add, Steve? Yes that my conspiracy theory here is that Taylor Jenkins was just posturing and trying to get a a um, punishment for one Jordan Poole. We know that's not going to happen, and I would think that we're going to see John Morant play tonight. I haven't seen anything. I was just looking before, unless I missed it. Uh, but I would, I'm would i going to kind of go with the conspiracy theory that John Morant finds a way to give it a go here later tonight. You know what I think about what you just said? I agree. Actually, when I was watching him, uh, he, he, kept, you know, he kept mentioning it over and over again, so... I think there's a chance he plays. But, yeah. like you said, is he anywhere close to 100% and, you know, do they overreact? Uh, what do you have in this uh, Bucks boston game tonight? Is the Celtics trail by eight, uh, five and a half minutes left in the first. Uh, Bucks are up 16-8. So, I actually, I played this over the total, uh, 211 and a half. I didn't have a side. I do have this Boston future ticket that I'm really hoping they can at least even the series so I can hmm. maybe finagle my way out of something here. Um yeah. But but I played I played over two eleven and a half and the thinking was is, is, so if you look at the series overall in terms of uh, average possessions per game we're just about over ninety eight possessions per game the last game on Saturday uh, we're talking about I think one hundred and three possessions um, each of the teams had one hundred and three possessions so a relatively quick game but still really low scoring right one hundred three one hundred one final score. If you look at some of the shot quality numbers, like specifically for that game, um, the shot quality numbers had it as a 115-114 final. So that's a little bit different than a 103-101 final score. And then you look at some of the other tracking data, like both of these teams shooting below 30% on open attempts, defenders four to six feet away from beyond the arc. 
I just think there was some, probably some room for some positive regression from an offensive standpoint. So uh, obviously we'll see if that's the case. We're off to an eh, okay start uh, halfway through the first quarter. So uh, I'm hoping that this is obviously going to go over the total, but that's what I played here. I thought really like from a side standpoint, I thought it was really hard to put your finger on which team has an edge. Like, yes, Milwaukee has a negative 2.4 net rating in the first three games, but that's razor thin, especially when you're talking about, one, three games, it's a small sample size, two, the fact that the Celtics have only averaged 103.1 points per 100 possessions. Like, it's just been a rock fight for three games, essentially. Both teams really figuring it out and playing each other pretty well. We saw the way the game three ended on Saturday. So I didn't really have anything from a side perspective. I'm just kind of pulling for Boston to even this series up because of my future standpoint, but did play it over the total. John Von Tobel's with us. He's got his daily show Monday to Friday, 1 o'clock on VSIN. Tell people about uh, Hardwood Handicappers. Uh, Sundays, that's the live show from 3 to 5 p.m. Pacific time up on VSIN. So you can watch that. And then the podcast that comes out uh, pretty much twice a week, you know, Wednesdays and Fridays. So technically, if you want to include Mondays, because that's, you know, uh, or excuse me, Sundays, because that's the actual show. But uh, the actual podcast version comes out Wednesdays and Fridays. So, yeah, check that out. Now that uh, Nikola Jokic has won the MVP, uh, Nick Wright has declared the award just stupid. It's useless. Your thoughts. Did Embiid get ripped off? So here's the thing. Um, (laughs) I will make it perfectly clear. If I had a vote, I would have voted for Nikola Jokic. Uh, But if I had a vote and Joel Embiid won, I wouldn't care because Joel Embiid is also a deserving candidate to win MVP. My, my problem with all of this discourse that comes out of it is there's never any room for nuance, right? It's always got to be, that guy sucks. He didn't deserve it in any way whatsoever. And what irritates me about this argument is just go around Twitter, go to Nick Wright, go to Joy Taylor, who had a little bit of like a soliloquy on it or whatever the word is, monologue. Um, all these people who are arguing against Nikola Jokic, nine times out of 10, the argument starts with, I know it's a regular season award, but... And then going on to describe that Joel Embiid is still playing in the postseason and Nikola Jokic isn't. You can't start your argument with, I know this, but I'm going to completely ignore that and make a straw man argument about an award that is focused on the 82 games they played in the regular season. That is what annoys me. And it also annoys me to make this case that Nikola Jokic doesn't deserve to be anywhere near this MVP award because what it is in reality is it's a bunch of people who haven't watched Nikola Jokic at all. It's a bunch of people who don't really understand analytics and are scared by it, so they want to push back and call everybody nerds and everything like that, when in reality, both were really deserving candidates, and Nikola Jokic happened to win the award. Uh, By the way, potentially happened to win the award. Remember, this is a report. The NBA (laughs) did not officially come down and release the ballot. Woj has a really good track record, so you assume he's correct, but it's also not official. But it just it irritates me these disingenuous arguments that people are making on behalf of Joel Embiid because they just don't make any sense, and you're completely ignoring on purpose the fact that it's a regular season award and that there are plenty of we'll call it like there are plenty of things for Jokic to rely on in terms of his resume to win MVP, just like Joel Embiid. And it's dumb to paint the picture that he shouldn't even sniff the award. John, you are a gambling expert, so you had to be super fired up for the Kentucky Derby this weekend. Yeah, I didn't care. Um, I I, <laughs> I watched it. Every year, I watch the Kentucky Derby the exact same way. I find the two-minute video on Twitter after the race is over, and I watch it before I go to bed that night. Um, so, yes, we get the horse at 80-1 to 1 to win it. Actually, I was more interested, guys, in the call for the for the race. And, yeah, 80-1, to 1, and, like, Circa had him at, like, 200-1. to 1. Awesome. Um, but, like, the call for the race... The, the announcer doesn't even realize he's coming up until the last second when he crosses the finish line. Yeah. It, it was like, well, if you, if, if, you watch the, if you watch the whole race, 
uh, really paid attention, the horse did kind of come from out of nowhere. He did, and like, and and I will say too, Steve, because I'm not gonna like you know, kill the guy. Because yeah. when I watched the video, I obviously knew that this happened. So like, I'm purposely watching for right. him cutting through like the pack and making his way up. But I just thought it was hilarious because at one point he even talks about like the horse on the outside, like he's clearly looking around. But I just he just missed the fact that this horse is just blazing up the rail trying to win this race, and sure enough, does. So I was just. I just put myself in the shoes of, like somebody just listening to the call oh, and yeah. just being yeah. like, wait yep. a minute, what? <laughs> what <laughs> just was, happened? If I was only listening, uh, you know, audio or radio and he was on right. that call, because I, I, I bet Epicenter, just like uh, my guy, uh, Mattress Guy, um, <laughs> I, I, I was like, we got it. We got it. And all of a sudden, you know, red strike. Like, where, dude, where did this horse come from? Right. You, you never mentioned it. So that's what I thought was funny, but yeah. yes, like it's a good betting story, eighty yep. to one. And I will say, I, I can I can tell that I'm in the minority with this. I was reading an article with NBC, like I think the the ratings have been up like twelve percent or something like that over the last few years, and it was up again this year. So people do care. I love that's it. not the argument I'm making. I yeah. just the Kentucky Derby fails to really pique my interest. I loved it. I broke it down why I liked it so much for like a good four minutes, and then Adam's first response was, "Well, you're old." Like, <laughs> All right, there you go. Uh, are the Reds making a similar type move from the back of the pack? Oh my God! Why are we wasting time on the Reds? <laughs> Did you see this by the way, Dan Zaborski of Fangraphs, Adam? That like if Luis Castillo has like an incredible season with his wins above replacement, like a fourteen or something like that, the Reds would win seventy games. Jesus, <laughs> wow! It's it's just a dumb like if he has like an otherworldly season, obviously. Uh, but regardless, um, I just find it funny that when people start to catch on late to a trend, the trend just goes belly up. Of course. Of course. So you saw yeah. on like Thursday, Friday, everybody's like, have you heard about this Reds thing? Like, yes, we've all heard about it. <laughs> and sure enough, uh, and it's the Pirates, but sure enough, they play they play three games against the Pirates and win two out of three. So, And by the way, two of them, and they lost one of them, but two of them, they were underdogs to the Pirates, which I thought was kind of strong. Uh, but regardless, they ended up winning two out of three. So we'll see. They got the Brewers uh, today, and I think they're down. Yeah, they're down 2-1 on my screen. But Castillo's on the hill, so they got a chance. And again, I should also point out, it's not even just about losing, because, see, we've talked about this before. It's that people are betting against them on the run line. Yep. So if you get this, like, 2-1 final, there's still going to be a lot of people uh, that are going to get screwed here because they're betting on them on the run line as opposed to just on the money line. Last minute, John, uh, we got the schedule release all week long for the NFL. Uh, Raiders games, we don't exactly know what dates, but all the Raiders games are actually up on a board here in town. Yeah, stations, and I want to applaud stations too because they were one of the more aggressive books during the draft. You know, small limits, but still they hung up a lot of stuff. And, and here again, uh, they put up uh, lines for every single one of the Raiders games. And I do think it's interesting, not only do you get to see the numbers, you get an idea of where the power rating is for the Las Vegas Raiders. So you can kind of form your own if you'd like to. You see how they stack up against the other teams. But every single game is up on stations board right now if you want to go bet it. John, real quick, we're getting out, but uh, you, you talk about power ratings. I thought, interestingly enough, you could see that the Broncos are clearly power rated above the Chargers based on these numbers numbers yeah i thought that was that adam and like the 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 san francisco 49ers stuck out to me too i think if i remember correctly the stations has them as a two and a half point favorite at las vegas um which is i, I think that's like a number based on the uh, you know the old san francisco 49ers of like a season and a half ago or so not the ones that could be led by trey lance and somewhat different so i think there's some interesting stances from a from a power rating standpoint that stations has made here john good job we'll see you tomorrow okay Yep, you got it, guys. Thank you. There he is. JVT is in tomorrow as the company, Adam Hill, Steve Cofield. We move towards the 5 o'clock hour to get that ticket window open. 364-1100, 364-1100. Uh, May 25th show. Two tickets to go see the Doobie Brothers. They're in town for uh, upwards of 14 days. 8 o'clock show. They're here from May 13th to the 28th at the Zappos Theater at Planet Hollywood. You can grab your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. As simple as calling 
And getting in is caller number seven right now, 364-1100, two tickets for the 525 show. Doobie Brothers in town at Planet Hollywood. 